0: This is the one with Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino
1: A terraforming terrible mum And her terrorist tyke A teleports tinkering tot Terrifying
0: terrestrial terminators
1: Leaving the artificial retreat for a true van show And It's called Orphan 55 Here we go Whistle on our epic phrase All through time and all through space the bean and angels now Dalek, cyber, Zood and wow Counting Sonic's rating apps From the poor to the sublime Eccleston to Whittaker
0: Let's agree it's about time Who, who back when?
1: Reviewing on you who there is
0: Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes please Rose and Donna Amy Pond, Rory, Clara And beyond Join, Join us on this to see what other choice could there be But who back, back
2: when? when? Who back when?
0: What's Ho Podcast Land, and welcome to a wow, hotly anticipated episode of Who Back When? a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. <laughs> right, you are, but not that far back into our past because we are catching up, my friends. Yep. Holy Smokerinis and Cheesecakes Podcast Land. Tonight, we are discussing one of the shittest episodes of New Who, nay, of Doctor Who altogether, namely Orphan 55. But. Who are we? Well, I am Leon and I have the esteemed pleasure of gazing across my desk at none other than
1: the man, the myth, the legend. It's Drew. Hello, Drew. Hello, do you think I'm going to let that statement go unchallenged? One of the shittest episodes of Doctor Who ever? (laughs) Hey, ask the fans. (laughs) And Podcast Land have turned out in spades tonight, so we're going to hear some opinions. Yeah, definitely.
0: It turns out, okay, just because you said that, I'm going to say a little bit of trivia. As of January 2020, this episode has the lowest IMDb user rating of any Doctor Who episode, including the original series. But this
1: came out in January 2020. We've had a whole series and a half since then that's oh that's the, true that's the <laughs> instant reaction people were sore at the time maybe they've mellowed and they've come to reappraise all oh, 55 well
0: you know what that is absolutely true yeah. It's it's possible yeah this is the tip of the iceberg the <laughs> tip of the chibber's iceberg right well i mean are you saying this nearly sank the entire show <laughs> i'm not not saying that
1: so <laughs> High level? Where do you stand on this one, Drew? I'm starting to question your allegiance here. (laughs) I am a fabulous actor. You can pay me no higher compliment than that. I'm fully with you. I am glad to hear it. (laughs) Mostly. Yeah, yeah.
0: There are a few things about it that are actually really good.
1: Shall we jump into a B-scow and see where we land?
0: I think that's a good idea. Yeah, sure. Why not? Time for us to synopsize, labify and summarize. So take a view and, and grab a breath and again. listen to this overview, this free-for-all. We like to call a bite-sized by- chunk of who? who. Bite-sized by- chunk of who? Graham's in his speedos, so like it or not, that giant post-coital squid tentacle will have to remain rotting on the TARDIS floor until the fam get back from holiday at the Tranquility Spa, an off-world vacation resort where the sentient squirrel staff don't look askance no matter what you
1: pull out of your friend's steam room. What on earth? Our hero's repose is obliterated by a twin onslaught of overlooked autochthons and daughters. But who might these indigenes be? And is there any chance these fanged ferocious beasties harbour a dark secret of their own? The fam may not get the holiday they expected, but perhaps they'll get to the bottom of this mystery by searching for a kidnapped codger whom this crabtastic chronicle constantly clarifies is called Benny! Beast over. Over. Also, Benny over. You are welcome. You are Benny. (laughs) He didn't have to sit through all of this, at least. Right.
0: Well, why don't we start with something positive then? That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm so glad to hear it. Two peas, one podcast.
1: Because (laughs) the first five to ten minutes of this episode, I thought were actually pretty good.
0: Really? Really. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Such as?
0: Because some of these things I will agree with.
1: You're not going to agree with the teleport cube and the speedos. I didn't mind either of them. Oh, okay, because yeah. when you reviewed this en passant yeah. with Steed Styling Steven of New to Who fame yes. in the latest bonus episode, yes, you said, oh, the fucking teleport cubes, like, right from the beginning. I hate that episode or something.
0: Yeah, I, I hadn't rewatched it at that point, so, sorry. That is not why I think this is a terrible starting place for Lee Whittaker's Doctor or her run. But, I mean, I rewatched this last night slash today i'm not too miffed about the coupon situation and the teleport cube
1: yeah space is a crazy place and graham if he would stop saying to himself graham old son i could like it a little more but the fact that he's got his speedos on he goes and then they're, suddenly they're gone and within a minute that, that's what i like about doctor who you, you think you're situated and located and boom suddenly you're somewhere else completely i think that fits
0: Okay, yeah, all right. So, I mean, you're hitting on something that I didn't like about the beginning no! of this show. Basically, I think this episode has a pacing problem. Oh, definitely. And I definitely. think that is exemplified on a number of occasions in the very beginning. And one is how quickly the coupons teleport them off the TARDIS, how quickly the Hopper virus attacks Ryan, and how quickly everything, basically. There's no real lead-up. If maybe we could just a little bit more gently you know, transition into them teleporting off the TARDIS, I would probably like that more.
1: But then they'd be prepared. They don't have to be prepared. I
0: wanted to start them something that I liked. I thought this would be. I'm so sorry that I'm criticizing something. (laughs) I think that could be further improved. Look how positive I am. (laughs) I think that could be further improved by having them spend a couple of minutes talking about the grand adventure they're about to have. Like everything that they're really looking forward to doing and then inadvertently Graham sabotages that by transporting them to this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than opening credits, oh, there's a tentacle, boom, we've been teleported off.
1: Definitely. The way Ed Heim, writer of this episode, grabs your head and wrenches it to the left, to the right, up, down, where am I looking next? And you're in no control. Yeah. And you have no chance to get your bearings and you get whiplash a thousand times. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, yes. Now... I could take that in the first couple of minutes. I liked that. That was a rush. It was like, okay, oh, interesting. how do you open a Doctor Who episode? This is a slightly different way of doing it. Graham has basically assembled a coupon grenade yeah. and exploded <laughs> them somewhere else. Like Because space is a dangerous place and it's not a war zone, but you make one wrong move and suddenly you've got to figure out what you're going to do next. Mm. Whatever. You mentioned the Hopper virus. Yes. The next thing, the next thing, I'm I'm sure you're going to like it. Oh, okay, here we go. When the doctor gets to actually act like a doctor, takes he, Ryan through all his symptoms.
0: Yeah, just as he either exhibits them or is about to exhibit them. I like that scene.
1: Yeah, and then the way, not that he's sucking his thumb, but he's he's flailing at the bats with yeah. such violence. He's like, make the bats go away! <laughs> Loved it! Yeah. Poor
0: bastard's going to see them sooner or later. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was one of Tosin Cole's strongest moments for me in his entire run so far. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. That was very nice. I think, again, I think that happened too abruptly, but that's a pacing issue, not a plot point issue. I liked the fact that there's such a thing. Hold your nose, you're about to sneeze, yada, yada. Like, that was fun. That was real Doctor Who hilarity.
1: Yeah, and the whole idea of the virus being a multi-platform thing as if that in any way justifies it but whatever I'll go along with it and it's part of a family (laughs) set and it's just adding in nice terminology and nice ideas so okay okay next thing next thing yeah 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 I just pulled this out of a friend of mine and Hyphen's response her non-judgmental that's absolutely fine yeah any kink is permissible here at the Tranquility Spa thank goodness someone get me one of those cubes please
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thoroughly on board with that. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, You bring up Hyphen. I thought Hyphen was terrific. She looked so classic Who. She looked right. like an alien that you would encounter in classic Doctor Who. We've encountered a million of them. Some of them were cats. Some of them were dogs. Some Now we've got someone who's a squirrel. They all look the same, quite frankly. And I love it. I'm well, totally on board.
1: It's even a callback to the, is it New Earth? The Sisterhood of Cats? Whatever they're called? Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I can't remember what they called either, but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It's nice to have Doctor Who do this. Just mm. Well, just all the time, really. Apart exactly. from Rings of a Carton. That dog was a little Yeah, that.
0: Much. Yeah, the dog who sells a moped. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> And the look on Hyphen's face when the Doctor is getting her guesses at what the psychic paper is wrong. And Hyphen doesn't know what's going on. She, but she feels like she's got to be hospitable yeah. to the doctor. Because the,
0: like, the guest is always right, in a exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah.
1: She, she's almost pleading with the doctor, get it right, because <laughs> I can't call you out on this. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how this interaction works. Yeah, It's above my pay grade.
0: Totally fine. Then that leads to a door being opened... They go into the is it the linen closet which isn't a linen closet yeah and once again i feel like there's a pacing issue there because all of a sudden she's just launching into a whole bunch of problems with she isn't easing into anything she's a, every every step is two steps at once every plot point is should be further away than it is in this episode and then instead we linger on stuff that we don't need to linger on but yeah you know what i'm saying right i like do know what too, you're saying
1: I am trying to skirt around it for the first few minutes. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I, I will more fully agree with you in a moment. <laughs> I also like... You, madam, are far too handsy. <laughs> I liked the hostility, the, the back-off energy, <laughs> the, the, the doctor rearing up and arching and yeah. making herself big. Yeah. I feel like that really worked. Without having to say anything threatening,
0: the doctor just asserts her authority by showing confidence, perhaps. Yeah, You know what? I like Jodie Whittaker in this episode. If I had crayons and half a can of Spam, I could build you from scratch. I made a note of that exact line. It's an excellent line. It's such a good line. It is super-duper crazy well-written. That is perfect. Yes, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I really, really enjoy Jodie Whittaker in this. She Mm. is very doctory... She's never forced into a scene where she has to do the arm thing.
1: (laughs) There's no time. There's no time because there's too much happening. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a third thing simultaneously. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I was going to
0: say, here's another thing that I really like. With the exception of the green-haired chap, the engineer, and his son, which we need to talk about, or whom we need to talk about separately as
1: well. Nevi and Silas.
0: That's right. With the exception of them, I enjoy this ensemble cast. Really? Um, yeah. Even like, I, I like the uh, older couple, Velma and... What's his name again? I don't think I caught his name. <laughs> I don't think he had one. He was just
1: old man in the script, I think. Yeah,
0: Arnie? I think Arnie. Yeah. So Velma
1: and Billy? Arnie.
0: Billy? Billy. <laughs> Billy. Yeah, no, it, definitely. It started with a B. <laughs> so I even like them. I don't yes. understand why they had to go on the fucking adventure. <laughs> but but yeah, I even like them. In general, this is a good setup.
1: Yes, my words exactly when Yaz arrives and Vilma is happy to see her and Benny isn't and Yaz says I'm not interrupting am I and absolutely at the same time in the same breath Vilma says oh not at all and Benny says well you were a bit actually yeah you were yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs)
0: Excellent. Yeah, that's really, really good. Not to poo-poo that, but there are also some problems with that scene (laughs) in the sense that Benny and Velma, who's this Benny I keep talking about, in the sense that Arnie and Velma, (laughs) Benny and (laughs) Velma, they are const, they're they're just such an exposition couple from the get-go. They're so poorly written in the beginning of the, hey, look where we are, Benny. Yeah, we've had 46 years together, Velma. Oh, right, so we know that now. And then immediately turn to Yaz. Hi, I'm Velma. Nice to meet you. This is Benny. He's like, okay, yeah, right. We, we get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Go for it. I have one more thing I like. Yeah. Orphan 55 as a title. Okay, yeah. I think it harbors both mystery and scope while differing productively from the format of titles past. I remember seeing this in the list of episode names that were, I don't know, leaked or maybe next week on Doctor Who, whatever, and thinking oh that's intriguing that sounds interesting i think we all felt like that at the time to one degree or another
0: yeah i mean it's it's a solid title it actually is a solid title then when they explain what it means it is further solidified Mm. oh so this is an an orphan planet oh wait what's an orphan planet let's learn about that this is the 55th one out of how many holy moly what's going on this is crazy yeah, yeah yeah question for you are okay. the people here humans what people the dregs no the Kane, for example is she human? oh is she whatever human you know the people who left the earth is she one of those space humans
1: that is a fantastic question maybe from the outer colonies i mean she's got to be hasn't she the doctor doesn't remark upon it yeah as them being any different but she definitely should have isn't that weird
0: she, yes. she must know that this is or used to be Earth
1: yeah from where her species ultimately derived
0: shouldn't that make this planet special in some way it's yeah. an orphan planet but it is is—it's it, in a sense it's a the orphan planet
1: right? So it, it's her orphan planet, it's the closest to her heart there should be kinship between her and the dregs however pathetic, however distant however conflicted yeah. there should be some recognition and connection there
0: also, is this the only, in aside from the dregs, who presumably are all over the place... The dregs
1: of humanity.
0: <laughs> that's right. Is this the only inhabited base on the
1: entire planet? That is what we are led to believe. Because once Kane finishes the terraforming process, she will be Queen of Orphan 55. If,
0: dude, if you and I live to see the Earth turn into Orphan 55... I don't know, we're frozen, we're cryogenically frozen, then we are... All things just accelerate a little bit. A little bit. I mean, by time standards, they (laughs) accelerate. And we get to experience this. I propose a scam by which we sell orphan planets to myriad people at the same time. Because how can she possibly know that there aren't 700 other bases around the planet? Or 7 million, 7 billion! She's stuck in a (laughs) fucking dome!
1: (laughs) Yeah, all we need to do is, well, we'll we'll just dress up as dregs and we'll pretend to be hostile surviving inhabitants. That way we keep everybody inside, nobody goes out, takes a look around, bumps into any neighbouring spas, and we can pack them in. When does
0: this take place?
1: No indication is given. I tried to find a
0: year. Todis Wicca doesn't give any indications of it either.
1: It's not the 51st century. So is this... It's just the future. It's just a possible future timeline. So in a oh, sense, oh, it I'm could not on could be board with that. I'm not on board with that. It could be 2025. So we'd better finish this
0: podcast. <laughs> First off, I'm not on board with this being a possible future. I think that's already utter bullshit. Right. Fixed points in time and whatnot. How, what? what it, since when is the future constantly fluid? Since and they, why is
1: this a the future? Since they needed to make this exact point in this exact way, which they decided was the best one. Hmm. Unfortunately, and that will lead me on to a through line, a running theme. Oh,
0: Get us started on that, will you?
1: Okay, well, (laughs) if you haven't figured out already, Podcast Land, I'm out of positives. Yeah. I just want to say, because I've been trailing that I can't abide this episode, Mm -hmm. I'm going to try my hardest not to be or sound angry about what is just a subpar episode of a TV show. Sure, yeah. And I have no right to gnash my teeth, necessarily. There's nothing I found massively offensive in it. No significant figures in the show's history were ill treated as we had in two recent big finish audios. That is true, yeah. Yeah. So, God help me, I'm gonna try and be as gracious as possible. But (laughs) my my theme is my theme is that Everything, continuity, self contradiction, the fundamentals of narrative storytelling, all are sacrificed to the need of the immediate moment. And what do we want the audience to do at this point? We want them to be excited, scared, whatever. So, how do we make that happen? We do this. Does that clash with what we did 30 seconds ago? Yes. Well, hopefully, they won't remember because 30 seconds from now, we will be wrenching them in a different direction. And that happens throughout and non-stop for the last 22 minutes.
0: Uh, Give me an example of that towards the end. Because I can think of a whole bunch of them while we're still in the hotel itself. Okay. I mean, technically the problem, just to say about the hotel, technically the problem is it should be solved when Doc turns on the, what's it called, the ionic, whatever it is. The Ionic membrane. Yeah, done. Problem solved.
1: (laughs) Yeah, when does that break down? Oh, because of Bella. Bella messes it up with her bombs.
0: Oh, she does. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So, yeah. yeah you're so
1: right. actually, that stands up. Okay, yeah. All right, fine. Okay, i okay, yeah, okay, take okay. that back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the doctor talks to Izzy, the alpha dog, the head of the dregs. Oh, right, yeah. And she says, think he understands. I'm going to get him in the cage. Mm-hmm. And he consents. Yeah. And then the second he's in the cage, it's like, what would be coolest to happen at this point? They run off, and we have a big roar. So, instead of just backing away, she's like, "Run, run, 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 run," and suddenly wheezy is incandescent again, and he reverts to gorilla roaring type. yeah, also, how did this Siberian human descendant understand perfect English?
0: Interestingly, I added the exact same question for you as one of my introductory questions. Why do the dregs speak English and have a perfect recollection of stock footage of nuclear tests, test explosions? Isn't
1: it lucky that Wheezy held on to his grandmother's aged DVD of A Clockwork Orange? (laughs) <laughs> and
0: there's that, and also if the doc had just like clutched his temples a little bit longer, she would have seen sped up footage of a dead fox decomposing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, aside from the stock footage. I have since found an answer for that. Oh, really? That I did not consider, and that is the TARDIS translation matrix. Maybe, to him, she is speaking in Roars.
1: TARDIS is nowhere. Yeah,
0: but she's been in the TARDIS, so I think that's fine.
1: The TARDIS is somewhere... A teleporter way. Yeah. Nowhere near Earth. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's outside of the TARDIS field. If if that worked, then she would understand everything everywhere. I think we've
0: had this before, though, haven't we? Where they're separated from the TARDIS, but they can still speak whatever. If they're, if they're in a pseudo-historical or even in a historical, they speak little French or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, you know what? I, I can buy into that. Okay, let's get into the devolution of the dregs. If they can understand the language, however... They are hearing it. Why can they not communicate linguistically anymore? Why is it just roars?
0: Yeah, so that is exactly what I was going to say a second ago as well. That What I can't get over is the fact that this episode needs to pick a lane. Either the dregs are sentient, self-aware. They have a perfect recollection of where they came from. They know that they are former humans. And maybe that weird stock footage collage that we get to see is just symbolic of the dregs constant agony over the civilization that they once belonged to and that is now out of their reach because they are quite literally dickless tooth monsters
1: (laughs) or they are just tooth monsters that just roar and eat people yeah presumably that's how they survive Hmm. what has happened is plant life has survived on orphan 55 you see trees in the background of a number of scenes once again Like in the ghost monuments, there's this completely dead planet and then they row back and then it's, oh, it's just not sentient life. Yeah. Which is just the same as
0: saying it's not class M. Why do you need to terraform this if there are trees? (laughs)
1: Yeah. The trees will do it for you. Yeah, it's
0: actually not that bad. Yeah. (laughs) I think those trees are there just out of potential laziness. Oh, absolutely. Those trees would have been cut out.
1: But that leads to the question of, Why aren't the surviving dregs of humanity just vegetarians, yeah, or vegans, yeah, or
0: whatever? And what do they otherwise subsist on, if not either each other or? Any one of the 7 billion other people who think they own this planet. (laughs) Because there's no one else, right? Yeah. So they would have spent millions of years, I'm assuming millions of years, devolving into something that eats whatever. I mean, they've already devolved to a point where their breathing apparatus has been reversed.
1: That's not something that happens overnight. (laughs) No, you can't just rotate hemoglobin 180 degrees (laughs) and then it works backwards.
0: And if if that's changed, why couldn't they also then have changed to subsist on whatever there is an abundance of? Namely, uh, irradiated dirt.
1: Yeah, Yeah. sand. Do that. I mean, if they can, while devolving, evolve an ability to... Adapt to laser fire, by the way. What? Why did that even need to be in there? Would they adapt to laser fire? Yes, because the doctor at one point asks Kane, why have you got this setting on your gun? Why have you got this particular type of gun? It's because the creatures you're going to be shooting can adapt to your laser fire.
0: I missed that line, Uh and for that reason I will, now that you've alerted me to this fact, I will deduct a further point. I'll be kind. Point one. That is (laughs) nonsense. What are they, Borg? Do they have shield generators? No! They're tooth monsters. Yeah. You know what? I'm I'm tr- I'm really doing my best here, dude. Uh-huh. This is me uh-huh. trying not to be angry at this yep.
1: episode. This episode
0: can suck it,
1: dude. Why is your gun fitted with an Exiplex modulator? They randomise laser output. You'd only need that against a thing that could adapt to your attack. This
0: suggests almost technology, but it certainly suggests intelligence and understanding
1: way beyond... Well, it suggests all sorts of things. These are human descendants, but they also need to be monsters. They are the Joe Schmoes who were left behind, not the elites, presumably Kane's ancestors, who got off worlds soon enough and populated the colonies. They are the the bog-standard remnants, and yet they also apparently have this laser technology. Maybe they went to war with each other, but I suppose they could have... Modified themselves to a degree no but it's
0: dumb it's no, so
1: many things at once it's dumb you, s- you say pick a lane, this episode never picks a lane for any one facet of it it 's yeah. just like everything is up for grabs. Whatever I say is happening is happening,
0: yeah, I completely agree with you also who I mean who are they Do you, i don 't have to ask you if you remember that episode with quite possibly the greatest master who ever lived. <gasps>
1: must be referring to sir derek Jacobi.
0: that's right he was on earth at a time when the earth was basically just populated by mad max people
1: yeah it was right towards the end of the universe yeah. Oh yeah,
0: that's right. It is towards the end of the universe. Yeah. Wait, you know what? Now I'm even more pissed off because what I was going to say was <laughs> all the people who are not Mad Max people who haven't sharpened their teeth, they leave the Earth. The people who have sharpened their teeth, they stay behind. Oh yes, because they're, bombs always,
1: go off. they're always trying to break down the chain link fencing. and Exactly. That. Yeah.
0: A few bombs go off. At this point, there are only Mad Max people around and they over millions and millions of years devolve into dregs. But actually that's not the case, is it? Because that's the end of the universe, those people are going off to get their heads chopped off to turn into, what are they called? The heads Toclophane. And- Toclophane, thank you. And there isn't going to be enough time for the Mad Maxians to devolve into dregs to then d- d- inhabit a planet that will be sold off to people who <laughs> remain humans and now- are
1: now really into capitalism. No, that's not going to happen. So there's plenty of time. I think David Tennant even says in that episode, humans they've been through all sorts of ebbs and eddies and troughs but you always revert to the basic standard format in the end right so they've been through a lot so and yeah. this could have been one of the road bumps along the way
0: so it's like people 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 drinks. people 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 cat people people drinks, people people yeah. yeah i think at one point <laughs> i think at
1: one point they're non-organic or they're some something oh, really? something drastic happens yeah You know what, I don't buy it. It's not Beyond the (laughs) Realms, but this episode does nothing to legitimate anything it proposes. That's the problem.
0: I I, I just don't buy any of that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, while we're talking about the tooth monsters, Mm -hmm. we should talk about the final shot, the final roar. Oh, yeah, sure. I want to say that I was heartily sick of them doing that long before that final shot.
0: And the pose that they take when they do that.
1: Yep, every single time. But there was so much wrong, and there were so many extreme close-ups of bits of the face, teeth and the gums, or the eye socket and a bit of the nose. And you were really supposed to fear this like you were the the weird skeleton monster in Hyde. Except that one, they were a bit more discreet with. Here, it was just over and over again.
0: They're they're very proud of this costume. And to be fair, I think it looks awesome. Right. If there were time and budget... (laughs) I think there's possibly a little bit more that you can do with that. I think the mouth wasn't particularly versatile. Mm-hmm. It's basically constantly roaring, which is why it's constantly roaring. Yeah. But the eye moves a little bit. The eyelid moves. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty cool. That's a costume into which quite a lot of time and effort has gone. Okay. And I think for that reason, bravo. That goes into the production value column as a checkmark, as a little plus point for me. Yeah, okay. That's not to say it's a good monster or that its backstory legitimises its existence in the first place, but it looks pretty cool.
1: Yeah, except it became over-familiar. They were far too proud of it. They Mm. just kept returning to that, and they were so limited in what they did with it. Yeah. So I was basically saying that to lead into... I would love for Doctor Who, Mm-mm. I think it fits the remit, to give us an adventure with an environmental moral to it Yeah, that doesn't proceed in the way this one does.
0: I'm all for having this TV show provide an ethical message, yes. a moral, take a moral stance, absolutely. And this is a good stance to take, but I don't think that this was the best way of doing it. And I also think it is, quite frankly, to the detriment of the show.
1: Yes, I think it did more harm than good. Yeah. To the message and the show. So there is another
0: episode. This is the fir- Is this the first? This is one of a few. You're thinking of Praxis. That's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. Have yeah. we already had one that I'm just forgetting about as well?
1: In the Jody Whittaker era? Yeah, yeah. Arachnids no. in the UK was a That's, bit... That might be the one, yeah. Don't dump your toxic waste yeah. under... Trump-style hotels.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. That's exactly the one I'm thinking of. So, So this is number two of three-ish that have this save the environment message. Which, fair enough, yeah, we should absolutely take care of the environment. Obviously, climate change is a thing. Absolutely.
1: Is Praxius any better? Praxius has its own problems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to
1: it. And it does lead to an added layer of frustration because you're like, I want these messages to hit home. Yeah. I want people in resisting these messages to appear unreasonable and because they're sexist or backward or whatever yeah but when you get an episode this bad you've got no ammunition you're like no fair enough you hate it it's rubbish yeah i wish that you'd recycled though <laughs> <laughs> I-, I wish you'd buy e-vans instead of regular vans
0: the first bit of what you just said that's going to be the one-line summary of this episode on the website <laughs> okay <laughs>
1: Okay, I've got an opening question for you. Oh,
0: excellent, yeah. I was just going to ask one of you as well. Go for it. Let's ping, ping and pong each other.
1: If you were building a luxury spa for yeah. off-world fake-cations, yeah. would you locate it atop a tunnel and stairwell complex that the mutant inhabitants of said world use for their nest?
0: Are we playing by Cory Do's and Cory Don't's rules, or...? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to say that as a no. Follow-up. Once you've found that nest, would yeah. you then put a teleporter down in that complex connecting the tunnel slash nest to your spa
0: oh that's interesting i wanted to ask you about the teleporter that's there yeah is that their teleporter or is that like, that harkens back to a time when there were teleporters in old tube stations in <laughs> siberia
1: that is possible i suppose they just call it a maintenance teleport whose maintenance it was originally for i don't know
0: although actually that's no, I can't kind of disable it, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would yeah, you're right. You would disable it and also it seems probably indicative of a a level of technology that far surpasses uh, tube stops.
1: Yeah. Final follow-up. Yeah. Atop the stairs that lead directly from the aforementioned nest to uh-huh. your spa, yep. would you fit just a standard metal hatch that anyone could knock down out of the wall or something more secure? I mean, these are all really valid questions. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This leads me to two points. Oh, lovely. Let's have them. One is one of my questions for you. One of my introductory questions. How long do you reckon they drove out onto the tundra? Because they jog back to the fucking (laughs) hotel in about five minutes. Yeah, carrying
1: Vilma (laughs) most of the way. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So that's one one thing. And the other thing I wanted to say was, and I hinted at this in the bonus episode that we recorded earlier this evening, We are about to delve, on the Classic Who channel, we're about to delve into Trial of a Time Lord. Yep. And in the very first part of that, the first installment, The Mysterious Planet, we also have a situation where we are on a mysterious planet, we don't know where it is, and we find out it's the Earth because we are inside a tube stop.
1: Oh, wow.
0: And this must be, this must be a, a reference back to that. If not, it's very lazy. Yeah. Spoilers. It's Marble Arch in Mysterious Planet. Oh, right. Yeah. Which is really nice. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're, this is Earth. This is London. In my book, that's actually kind of a plus because I feel like this is a deliberate callback. It's a little bit of fan service and it's hid. It's sorry. It's hidden. It's not blatant in your face. Ugh, my dick's the shape of a fucking tardis, man.
1: It's not one of those.
0: <laughs> it's it's just very subtly layered in there,
1: and I quite like that. It's not called out. The doctor's like, Do you know, I remember this from Seven Regenerations again. <laughs> but copies four different levels of what's going on. It feels just like a retread rather than anything imaginative. Oh, okay. Okay. Also, I just hated the fact that there were tunnels there. Like, we're out in the wilderness, but we need to get back to base. So there's a convenient tunnel.
0: The tunnel is there as a as a really lazy device to lead them into a scary scene.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't matter how many kilometers we've driven away. As you say, it will get us back to the base exactly when it needs to. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh no.
0: In this tunnel, conveniently or inconveniently, as whatever the case may be, there is a dreg sleeping. Oh, turns out they sleep exactly like that in that scene in silent hill standing up <laughs> like, oh there's only one of them asleep here where the fuck is there one sleeping dreg standing up in this tunnel there's a random tunnel that we're in it's it, the whole thing is bullshit yeah. and it's only there to create ambience yeah i would possibly argue that that ambience is quite effective the tunnels is where the episode lost me just oh, narratively it's nonsense but it looks good it's it's more interesting than them just running back across a misty wasteland. Yeah, we
1: don't need a Planet of the Dead. Exactly. And I,
0: if I had to handle even one more minute of them in that fucking van, I would have gouged my eyeballs out.
1: Well, I've mentioned Planet of the Dead. I watched a really good episode of Doctor Who today. Oh, which one? Midnight. Oh, nice. Because wow. they spent the whole episode in that... V- in that truck essentially a slightly bigger version yeah. of this van here yeah this episode saw fit to dispense with the truck in like eight minutes yeah midnight took the full 45 minutes 42 of the 45 in the van so much less happened and it was approximately 836 times better yeah give or take. than this episode yeah written
0: yeah. by rtd
1: yes yeah <laughs> so this episode <laughs> is pulling from all sorts of Doctor Who forerunners, and doing dirty by all of them, I think. I guess so,
0: yeah. Okay, fine. There are so many occasions in every sci-fi show, Doctor Who included, where you will have the protagonists, or at least a a, a set, an ensemble cast, stuck in a confined space, if that's a space shuttle or a bus or whatever it is oh planet of the dead again yeah planet of the dead with or, the bus or a train or whatever you know it's in space it's on some alien planet wherever it is they're in a confined space and they have to now interact with each other that's not no but the i thing wouldn't say that that's a rip-off i would say that's just a trope of entertainment in general but
1: the thing is doctor who also puts his own spin on the tropes his own consistent spin so what yeah. you get is you get half a dozen people And two or three ethnicities are represented, which is a good thing, but it's always the same. And so it's very recognisable as, oh, the show has done exactly this before. Yeah. And guess what? It's done it better. And you think that taking off five or six episodes in one is going to be as good as all of them put together. No. Yeah. it, It undermines all of it.
0: So make this episode a little bit better by adding Patrick Trouton's son and a better <laughs>
1: script. <laughs> it was so good. I came away from that thinking, that's the best thing about Orphan 55. It made me rewatch this better episode. I promise you. <laughs> Podcastland, go back and watch Midnight. It is great. Leon, I thought you I said it was... take it back. That's the
0: one-line review of Orphan 55 <laughs> on the website. Go and watch Midnight. It's great.
1: <laughs> I think you said, didn't you, that it would be one of the best episodes to in- introduce someone to the 10th Doctor era. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> Oh, listen. <you> listened. <laughs> so, we're talking about them in the tunnels. Yeah. Jodie has a red wristband. Yeah. As we know from the mission briefing, red means dead. Oh, yes, yeah. Now, they are cr- first of all, they are creeping through a dreg nest. Everybody is being very silent, apart from this thing on her wrist, which is going, oxygen at 1%. Find oxygen source. Can't you hear me? You need <laughs> oxygen. that's' <For> fuck's sake! <laughs> and nobody is saying, where's the mute button on your wrist, you idiot? Jodie isn't perturbed in the slightest. That's why wouldn't she be? No. Well, yeah, Drake's she's about to die. famously so. <laughs>
0: really heavy sleepers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, okay, there is no oxygen down there. Correct. Despite fires burning. Are there fires in there? There are fires in the tunnels, in the Dregnest. Nest. Okay, who needs physics? Th- that's Who fine. needs physics? This is the future. There-, there is a type of fire that burns without oxygen, but I'm this pretty certain... a carbon certain dioxide
0: fire. I- <laughs> apparently.
1: <laughs> apparently. <laughs> oxygen fire extinguisher would put that right out. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> So Jodie has 1%. She's not trying to keep up with the rest of the group, though. What she wants to do with her 1%, red means dead, I'm going to keel over any second now, is creep up to a dreg and give him a big old sniff. Yep. Yep. Yep, baby, yep, yep. Yep. And then she's surprised that they breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. She did not do that with a all thoughts. Why, why couldn't we have the,
0: <laughs> the Vulcan mind meld scene with a dreg that's just passed out?
1: Oh yeah, change your laser to stun or something if it's so clever. Yeah.
0: Have have something fall on a drag and it it's knocked knocked out temporarily. She touches it, goes, Holy shit, there's so much stock footage in this dude. And then, <laughs> then fast forward to the end, like, Yeah, I know because I looked inside this guy's brain. That 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 would have been better. This is not the scene to have a have a close encounter with this dreg
1: no but what you want is the scare of it waking up the jump scare and, then, and now she's running again great
0: okay here's another thing you want in that scene you yep. wanted to talk in its sleep you want that dreg while you're walking past it to go <laughs> it's like that drag is chasing ambulances in its dreams <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah it's like, it's fine, it's fine. Keep going, keep going. And that's where we have the thing on her arm. Because the dreg is speaking so much, it's exhaling oxygen, which the thing on her arm is soaking up somehow. And yeah. it's woken up by the thing on her arm going, oxygen stores replenished. Exactly. Yeah, done. Now it's awake.
1: And why does she have to get within six inches of it for the O2 smart meter to recharge like that? Doesn't air diffuse? Is it not gaseous? Yeah. So by th-
0: definition, this is something that we have <laughs> that is not properly established in this episode. How oxygen and carbon dioxide function?
1: <laughs> yeah. And how they inhabit entirely separate layers, apparently. Yeah. But do not intermingle. So I'm, I'm sure Kieran is going to be infuriated. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Kieran is is ho- he's
0: banking on this being the future because this is going to propel his van business <laughs> to the top of the stock market. Okay, he uh, okay. I feel like it's intimated at one point in this episode that actually humans, non-dreg humans and dregs could coexist if they were to assume some sort of breath equivalent of a 69, they would be completely fine, <laughs> yeah. you know. I breathe into your nose, you exhale into my mouth. Like, we are going to be so happy.
1: Yeah, that's when Jodie is trying to lure Wheezy into the cage and she says, right now we have a perfect functioning, cohabiting atmosphere, whatever it is. Exactly.
0: Yeah. But that's not really how it
1: works. Okay, here's another
0: one of my introductory questions to kind of make the point that I'm failing miserably at making here. Okay. Why is oxygen the only weapon against them, according to Yaz?
1: She has a... She rips a tube out of the wall. Yeah, when the sun loungers don't work. Their great sun lounger stratagem <laughs> Yeah, somehow <laughs> fails. Yeah, classic style sun lounger
0: stratagem. She rips this hose out of the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Funnels oxygen into the face of a dreg. The dreg goes ah! Yeah, roars backwards. Cut two. The dreg is standing there, kind of perplexed, mystified by this oxygen, just kind of soaking it in. It's almost as though it's huffing glue. It's it's inhaling something that it shouldn't be inhaling because this is the stuff that it's exhaling. It's like it's you know it's the equivalent of breathing and inhaling and exhaling in a brown paper bag. Yeah why Wh- no it's as you say it, it's a gas it would diffuse in the room there's already oxygen in this room because Yaz is able to breathe in it if if oxygen were the enemy this dreg wouldn't be able to exist in there yeah. just walk away from this hose if it's uncomfortable
1: yeah. it's fine she wields it and it reacts
0: like it's a flamethrower exactly until it reacts to that same oxygen as though it's the only thing keeping it alive
1: hmm yeah. I have two more things about O2 and their canister and canisters thereof. Okay. Earlier in the episode, Graham is wearing a smart O2 canister that won't tell him it's on right. And then he he sticks his forearm out towards Nevi and Nevi's like, "Yeah, that's great." Oh yeah. And then Silas is like, "No, actually this is how and then it goes beep beep and it's fine. Yeah. Because Nevi needs to look clueless. I I hate the character of Nevi. Yeah. Everything is in service of nevi looking like a twonk one more time nothing else in that interaction makes sense that graham would go up to nevi and be like you know you know what you're doing rather than the woman who has just told them all exactly how they work and what they do and how to operate them or the doctor i
0: what kind of operation are they running on this planet Mm -hmm nevi played by james buckley by the way yes of uh, in between his fame
1: and in between his two fame <laughs>
0: that's right and also cameo fame I, I kid you not i learned this last night yeah
1: yeah <laughs> he is the oh, was yes.
0: the first celebrity on cameo to make a million pounds or dollars one of the two
1: yeah yeah him and brian brian baumgartner Oh, really? Yeah. What, well, the guy who jumped the highest jump? No, whatever? Kevin from The Office. The American
0: office. No way! Yeah. What? That dude? Yeah. Amazing. Uh-huh. What's the name? Oh, it's Felix Baumgartner, isn't it? The guy who did the, <laughs> from the Stratosphere or whatever. He, he, yeah, the, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Red Bull. Awesome stuff. Very cool, yeah. Nevi, mm. dot, 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 what the fuck? Mm. Why does he have a job? Why would he be employed? He is utterly incompetent. His son knows more about this. I get it. Oh, it's cute. The son knows a lot of stuff why why like why 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 is he so incompetent? why can he not do anything right
1: because the son has to go from tolerant, tolerant tolerant, tolerant to dad, I would rather jump into the welcoming arms of certain death than spend another moment in your company, and I have to go and hide over here and be a scared child for a while was- even even though you've reacted the same way you've reacted every other time and then. Once I've done that, and I've been rescued, I come back, fix the teleporter, we have this emotional reunion, the mu- music swells, Father and son are reconciled, and it's so heartwarming, and heartstrings are tugged, and Jody gets to say to Silas, "You've been brilliant." And he's like, "Yeah, I do this shit every day." <laughs> and he's the companion we should have had, blah blah, blah, And that's what this episode thinks it's doing. But that does not necessitate Nevi
0: being an utter imbecile. No. So, who is in this spa? Who works at this spa and who is a guest in this spa? The people who work there are Kane, Vorm, and Nevi. That's it. That's it. Oh, Uh, and and Silas. And Hyphen. And Hyphen, yeah, sorry, and And Hyphen. Silas
1: is only tagged along because Mum's House is boring. That's
0: right. And who is a guest at this place? Well, it's only... Actually, there are a whole bunch of people and everyone gets killed except for the fam and Velma and Alfred. Mm -hmm. That's it. It Feels like there aren't that many people there. Of the people who are there, call it half of them, have won a free trip there.
1: Yeah, because they subscribed to the Bonzoni, the Zamboni Herald or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) 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 Yeah, exactly. I did like, actually, I thought I'd run out of likes, but how they were such a clique of freaks and geeks. Like, there was one guy who looked like the weird spider guy from Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, I missed that. With with the glasses and the really long, straggly beard. He's the guy who gets killed in the steam room. Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Complete. (laughs) Weirdo. <laughs> this is what
0: I'm saying. I think this is actually a really solid ensemble cast. It's a bit of a shame that so many of them get murdered before they get to have arcs.
1: Yeah, we'll have a chance to be interesting.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? I wish this were a whodunit. I wish they never left the place. I wish they were stuck in this spa. We had a whodunit kind of situation in there. Mm-hmm. It turns out it was always the daughter, for the, possibly even for the same reasons. It doesn't matter, but slowly but surely, someone on the inside is sabotaging the spa, the walls, the Ionic, whatever it is,
1: yada, yada, yada. Dude, let me raise you one point further. I think I may have already suggested something similar to this, or maybe when a podcast landed for the God Complex or something, Uh it's the Doctor. The Doctor arrives on this spot, and because of what she experiences all the time, she's so paranoid. She thinks something has to be wrong. She goes snooping in all the systems. She she tests them to a breaking point she tries to find viruses that aren't there she leaves the trail of destruction and she convinces the companions that she's getting closer and closer to finding out what's wrong as more and more systems fail and eventually she just brings the whole place crashing down finds nothing they leave and she's like i don't know how he got away (laughs) (laughs) i love that (laughs) Right, Uh, so the other thing about the O2 canister was we've just had someone with a perfectly good O2 canister run into the arms of the dregs and sacrifice themselves. Vilma, why isn't the doctor going, Vilma, Vilma, before you get eaten, can you give me that thing on your arm? (laughs) Take a deep breath and now run along.
0: I mean, I see how pragmatically speaking that would be (laughs) the right thing to do, but it does seem like a cold-hearted dick move on the part of the doctor.
1: Well, okay. So I'm kind of
0: glad that she didn't do that, to be honest.
1: Okay. Let me modify my point. Oh, okay. Whenever Vilma up to this point has gone, Benny, Benny, or stood up or (laughs) said something she shouldn't, Uh Yaz has always been there to clamp her hand over her mouth, to sit her down, to drag her back. Yaz has plenty of time. Vilma basically gets to give a valedictory speech before she stares them down and says, I'll get you for my Benny or whatever. And Yaz just lets her go. Doesn't make a movement, one solitary motion towards her. So, so Yaz essentially is like, yeah, sacrifice yourself, whatever.
0: Yeah. How do you feel about the uh, the fates of Benny and Velma? So, I mean, that's that's Velma's end that you described just a second ago. But just to yeah. clarify, she is torn apart. We, mm. get, we get to hear parts of that. Yeah. It, it's not just Yaz going, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go and die, Velma. It's Yaz standing there and actually, witness, I mean, Yaz should be traumatized.
1: And, and Mandip Gill Gil does sell it with her face. Like, she is open-mouthed. She is a gape. There's a good shot of that.
0: Yeah, you know what? That might be the only time that Mandip Gill is actually present in this episode. Oh, there's that and the, when did you know that this was Earth, I guess. I, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but mostly Yaz is just Yaz in this. Sure. But aside from that, that is, that's a little old lady being torn to bits. Shortly before then, we have Benny in yeah. a kind of hilarious scene, going, uh, Hi, will you marry me? Yes, now please can someone shoot me? Kind of hilarious. Yeah, we later find out that Kane did shoot him, Yep. and that he was only being kept alive because one of the dregs was playing with him. Having a bit of fun. I eat torturing him yep and that's that's kind of glazed over in this episode we have two we have a senior citizen couple being tortured to death and that is just yeah all right fine well you know why it is why
1: because kane has to appear irredeemable kane has to be like yeah i shot him i'm the ultimate pragmatist he wanted it i gave him what he wanted he would have suffered more otherwise yeah so yeah
0: yeah oh definitely that's
1: the beginning and end of my utilitarian calculus so sorry but not even sorry. Just how it is. Because then after that, she has to redeem herself by sacrificing herself.
0: I was going to bring this up. I don't feel that that is effective.
1: No, but oh. is the second time she sacrifices herself effective. She sacrifices herself twice. The same human character, non-regenerative, in the same episode, dies for everyone else twice.
0: Well, if once you don't succeed, you're probably an orphan 55. That That is... <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't feel that she is redeemed. (laughs) I can see how this is a somewhat cheap attempt at redeeming a character. I think it's worse than cheap. I think it's cynical. The same goes for the daughter, by the way. What's her name? Bella. Yeah. Same goes for the daughter. The daughter has caused all of these deaths. Yep. Effectively, the mother-daughter combo, they have both caused all these senseless deaths. Mm-hmm. From two different points of view, one is kind of capitalistic, the other one is kind of the wrong side of idealistic, and then, or ideologic, and, and yada, yada, yada. They're both actually shit people. Yep. The mum is, quote, redeemed by sacrificing herself to die alongside her daughter, and the daughter is, quote, revealed by smooching Ryan before sacrificing herself.
1: Because, while sucking th- her thumb along the way.
0: While sucking her thumb fuck that shit (laughs) because what's the alternative both of them leave this planet alive and then they rot away in some space prison because they've murdered countless people
1: well there we are again one of the lines right near the end the fam and doc they teleport out and they're all looking very sad and i think ryan says no oxygen no help In their space and time machine, which they use to help the entire universe. And (laughs) because it would be too morally problematic, they just stand there. Not that that makes a difference, because as I said, space and time machine go back 10 more seconds, but they just stand there. They all make the decision or come to the conclusion, actually not worth saving. But we're going to look sad because that way the audience will feel sad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Cynical.
0: It is cynical. I have a theory about why all this cynicism is even allowed to play a part in this episode. Please. And it is that, in a sense, this episode cements that what does anything really matter? Because this is just oh. one possible outcome. If we, as a species, recycle a bit more, then Cain won't sacrifice all these people she won't shoot albert in the face and uh, what's her face bella won't grow up to be some revolutionary who bombs a spa and murders a bunch of people and yada 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 that's never going to happen we're going to see a future where kane and bella if they even exist in it are going to be potentially rehabilitated Morally. I mean, so, I, what does anything matter?
1: That would be to introduce a level of clever to this episode that I just don't think is present in perhaps this whole era.
0: But it's a level of clever that is already negated by where this show has been before. Yeah. In the beginning, here's an actual quote Doc says, The future is not fixed. This is one possible future, one timeline. But that's not how Doctor Who has worked to date.
1: Oh, no, no, no. If they were to tie that in and for the Doctor to say, I couldn't save them because if they enter the TARDIS, that cements this timeline in some way. And then they can play with, oh, wow, that's pretty tragic. So you, you do have to leave them behind so that the planet as a whole stands more of a chance. And then you oh, could I perhaps, like that, yeah. Then you could perhaps tie that into we all have to make sacrifices... Because if the dregs message wasn't enough, if you don't care enough about the monsters, remember that real people are what's at stake here. Maybe. It would take a lot. It would take a stretch, but it's better than what we get.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I like that view of it, actually. That's ostensibly what I was trying to say, but I, I, like, I prefer that as a view of, of, of that situation. My fear is that that len- could lend itself to anything, In the Hooniverse. Of course, yes, yes. We are at the end of Rosa. Oh no, how are we going to solve this boss conundrum? It's fine, okay? It's fine, because all we have to do is we have to Bill and Ted this. We have to go back into the TARDIS, we'll let racism reign, and then we just have to remember that further back a long time, we need to be less racist, or we need to remember to do things in a better way. You know, whatever it may be. If it's about xenophobia, if it's about the environment, if it's about whatever it might be. Okay. We just need to be better people. Because if we are, then the adventure that we just had never took place.
1: But that was in the past and this is in the future.
0: Yeah, but what is the future? Because we've seen the future beyond this as well. We've also been in on space, Amazon, Moon, whatever that was. Kablamo. Kablam. We've been way into the future. We've seen the literal end of the universe. Oh, sure. With the she, she, her,
1: me, her, me. me yes. I'm, I'm talking about relative to the viewing audience whose agency the episode is appealing to by means of this. Yeah, but race. fine.
0: This is a sci fi show and the vast majority of stories portrayed in it yeah. are set in the relative future of the audience viewing it.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So that basically says everything that, or the majority of what you're watching
1: might not even happen. Right, which cheapens everything else and fundamentally weakens the rest of the show. It undoes canon, is what it does.
0: It means there is no such thing as canon. Everything is just a hypothesis.
1: Well, that's the second instance, at least so far, of this episode being to the detriment of the show as a whole. Absolutely. And if they just hadn't been greedy enough to say no oxygen, no help, yeah. while they're standing at the TARDIS console with the means to help at their disposal for that redemptive, cheap emotional hit, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, you're right. It would be like every other episode. <sighs>
0: okay, more bits. More, more bits. More bits. <laughs> There's a bit where Ryan is flirting abysmally yep. with Bella. Uh-huh. They are in the the Notorious Van, uh-huh. in the true van show.
1: The Notorious V-A-N. <laughs> That's right.
0: And and Yaz tries to kind of tease Ryan yeah. about it.
1: Yeah, Ryan, how far have you got? <laughs> or something like that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Is that... Because I really, I really tried to... I think I even got... I mean, I went back for a whole bunch of bits here, and I went back for more than that bit for that scene. But I really tried to get to the bottom of is she. Is there romance between the two of them? Is there a hinted romance between the two of them? Or is this kind of a friendly band situation of, uh, yeah, Ryan, how flaccid are you? How bad are you at chatting up anyone, anywhere,
1: anywhere? I think the show still, at this point, is keeping its options open. I think that could be read on the level of purely a romantic playground-level bants. Mm. Or it could hint at something more if the guy with the checklist at the BBC calls for it further down the line.
0: I think you're probably right, yeah. I like that scene, though. I really like that scene.
1: I liked Ryan say, yeah, you, you witness history, yeah. that it's the worst chat-up yeah. line ever. Yeah, That was as much as I liked.
0: It does get really, really bad, though, towards the end. I mean, to the point where... I wish they hadn't had this conversation. Where, when, is it Doc or Yaz asking him, so what are you talking about? And he says, oh, we've established, we've both, we both have parents who died. It's like,
1: f- fuck, man. <laughs> right, this brings up a point. Oh, here we go. Ryan, three episodes prior. Yeah. His dad was there. He had a long heart-to-heart with his dad. And his dad told him, here's what you find out when you get older. There are things you've done in your life to others. The decisions you've made maybe when things were difficult, you get it wrong. By the time you realise you got it wrong, it's too late. You can't fix it because the damage is done. Parents are people too, was the message. And while Bella is mentioning that her mum didn't come to her dad's funeral, like Ryan's dad didn't come to Grace's funeral... Yeah. None of this occurs to the plonker to say, guess what? I have some insights I could offer here. Yeah. How false, how untrue to that character is that? That's at the heart of him. That was his whole arc in series 11.
0: I completely agree with you, and I also agree with past me, who pointed out that this is a symptom of having a series where every episode or most episodes are written by completely different people at the same time without any overarching plan oh podcast land Drew is making so many gestures I feel like he's got something up his sleeve here go for it Drew
1: we wondered I think it was in our Spyfall review whether there were script editors at all anymore
0: oh goodness you're gonna find you found out that there was one
1: listed in the credits for this episode are script supervisor Nikki Coles assistant script editor Caroline Buckley script editor Fiona McAllister and series script editor Sheena Buktawansingh now, I hate to line you all up before a firing squad just on account of this episode, but what the frick were you doing
0: this week? All four of you! That's a, that's a lot to change, though.
1: I'm sorry I got angry.
0: That's fine. That's fine. Hey, it's uh, not a lot to change. It's like Spider Man everyone gets one. Okay, it's you're not, okay. It's not a lot to
1: change. Ryan just has to. Just has to articulate the fact
0: that he has some insight that may, even on an ethical plane, sway Bella to do something else. He doesn't have have her in that scene. Sorry, just to say this. In that scene, have Bella. Just graze the right side of morality. Just graze it before she inadvertently, inexorably, is turned towards the fate that she ends up pursuing.
1: No, all he has to do is hint in that direction. Hint that he has that history, that he's about to say something, and Bella doesn't even need to listen, but Ryan tried.
0: I think she does need to listen, and the only reason I say that is that otherwise... And as exemplified exemplified by this episode, the concluding sucking <laughs> on your thumb scene yeah. makes no sense whatsoever. Oh, definitely. Why did they have a connection in the first place?
1: Yeah, your deeper edit is absolutely what should have happened if they had had the time. And, and the scope. Not that Bella is necessarily redeemable, but that gives just the, like you say, the faintest outline of a character arc of progression.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: The impetus, which she later internalizes. And then, yeah, she can look back at Ryan with some affection and be like, yes, you, you changed my ultimate fate, my destiny. I am reunited with my mom, and it's thanks to you, not you were also there and you were hot, and so I gave you a snog. <laughs>
0: Let's have a look at their relationship. Please. It starts with him lying to her.
1: Yeah. I'm a surgeon for pilots. Yeah. Which
0: I guess you could argue she finds is cute because he wants to impress her, but he does it in such a poor fashion that she's obviously not... Yeah. Yeah. She isn't convinced.
1: And then you get that situation, which I've only ever seen on TV, where a girl calls a guy out for trying to chat her up. He denies it. And then she's like... Shame. Because secretly, I think you're hot. Not so secretly. Yeah. It would be fine if you did
0: try to chat me up. Assume, as we are here, sucking on a piece of our anatomy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and it's not that I should take this personally, but as a guy who is not hot by... Certainly TV standards. Dude,
0: don't sell yourself short.
1: (laughs) Dude, I'm five foot five and a half. There is no other way.
0: I operate on the metric system, but I feel like we're exactly the same height. (laughs)
1: Regardless, (laughs) if you can be the most inept, Uh foot-in-mouthed tool, say the stupidest thing possible, and then none of that really matters because I like the symmetry.
0: Well, turns out it doesn't even matter if you're a tool in mouth foot because (laughs) 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 apparently this is exactly as effective so they start with that he lies to her they she finds him attractive she he clearly lies to her because he finds her attractive they don't know each other as people they have no connection they don't know where they stand
1: but what we've established is that they're both incredibly shallow
0: yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, they're on holiday. This is basically like going to Ayinapa or oh. you know, Ibiza or Playa del Inglés or whatever. If this were
1: like, Hollyoaks after the watershed, you would smash cut to them in an alley, just heaving up against the wall. Oh, absolutely. He yep. is grabbing a fistful of tits and she, <laughs> she
0: is just like wrapping her hand down towards his c*** in every single cut of this scene. Yep. Anyway, so... <laughs> So, so that's it. They're all—they're just there, or from his point of view, they are just there to get it on. Mm. And from—and uh, even it, though he has just contracted a virus, has even hurt nothing from eight seconds ago. But so does—so was she. They're both sucking their thumbs. That so doesn't mean that's the only virus so they could th- be harboring. Yeah, but
1: he's thinking it's fine. We both have herpes. It's okay. <laughs> the so- doctor will sort me out. <laughs> <laughs> Clues in the name.
0: So anyway, he's there because he just wants to bang. And he figures the way I'm going to achieve this goal is by lying to this woman. She finds this charming, Mm -hmm. wants him to continue to pursue her. Fast forward to, it turns out, the first time they get a chance to actually learn something about one another, he learns that she is a fucking psychopath who has caused the deaths of countless people, who has more bombs around the place. She's a fucking terrorist. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to, to the very end, she decides to redeem herself, yada, yada, yada. We've already discussed this, and she starts this process off by kissing him, mm-hmm. running off and hearkening back by way of sucking her thumb to the moment when they first met and he lied to her, <laughs> Yeah, he, he reciprocates with said symbol of lies.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> Even if he was caught off guard by the kiss and his body took over for a moment and he kissed her back, he should absolutely reject the thumb. He- sorry, Sorry to not be funny for a second, but he should absolutely be like no way, I have some standards. Yeah, he should just go, wait, no, I'm,
0: I, I don't want you to die because I don't want anyone to die. Like, no yeah. one deserves this fate. You,
1: you don't have a weapon. What are you doing? Yeah, but I also
0: don't feel any kind of kinship with you because you are a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> However, the thing is, I have an undeniable boner outside of frame right now, and I don't give a <laughs> shit because that's who I am as a character. Yeah. There you go.
1: Yeah, Fuck this episode. Very, very much so. There's another bit. Yep. Where mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you have the invisible wall cutting across the open concrete plaza outside the spa. And they take down the the artificial cloaking or whatever, and you see the actual structure for what it is. Mm-hmm. And then Graham just bashes his head onto the invisible bit of wall next to it. Now this is just near the teleport A and outside B so if someone goes for a walk and they just smashing into the wall knocking yeah, themselves exactly. out on this invisible obstacle why but not make this thing look like a wall like why not just they make have it a perfectly good wall about 15 feet behind <laughs> the actual wall well fake wall behind the real wall fake wall make that make, make the fake wall look like the real wall yeah, but it doesn't matter because Graham needs to bump his head and provide a comedy
0: moment yeah which is a fun moment but it also is dumb it's, it's so just dumb. dumb. Yes. Make it make it look like a shrubbery. Make it look like something that people aren't going to walk into. Yeah. Have the fake wall always be, You know what? Here's the thing. Make this spa sit on a fake island. No yeah. one ever goes out because there's water, 50 meters of water or something, and then there is a fake wall.
1: Yeah, and a nice still calm ocean would be would be super easy for the VFX department to stretch to the horizon in every easy. direction.
0: We basically have this with Velman Alfred when they're by the pool yeah. the very moment that we meet them they're by the pool they're looking out ahead there's just water I don't know if that's real water if that's fake water whatever it is yeah, if, if someone
1: out. dives into the pool do they break their neck because there's a freaking wall cutting halfway yeah, across we, it we get the dude with
0: the whatever it was he looks like a spider guy we get him just uh, swan diving and then just the <laughs> pool turns gradually red because <laughs> he's nose dived straight into a laser wall yeah. (laughs)
1: oh man oh wow (laughs) i've I've done a control f for wall in my notes and the other thing annoys me as well which was that you have the ionic membrane it is said to banish or Mm. exile the dregs including the dreg in the steam room the one directly in front of approaching ryan and bella but what does that mean is it vaporized is it just pinned back against a wall as the membrane advances What happens to that thing? And then why doesn't Ryan go back to the rest of the people and say, guess what? I've just seen a monster. Oh, can you describe it to me, Ryan? Yeah, it's weirdly humanoid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's weirdly humanoid. It looks nothing like us. It breathes backwards. (laughs) And it doesn't have a dick. (laughs) I'm not saying they all need dicks I'm saying it's weird that they
1: all Look exactly the same You know what, fuck them, fuck all of them Convergent evolution, not convergent evolution Because that's not what that describes But this is the only way, this is the only phenotype That could survive in the harsh orphan environment
0: And I would also like to point out It's in my notes, it's in my notes I also wanted to ask you How does the ionic membrane work Because Ah. what I was thinking was Either it does squash them against a wall Or it teleports them and if so, where does it teleport them? Mm. Does it teleport them out of, like, to the to the teleporting station in the Siberian subway stop, your tube stop? You know, where, where does it take them? Oh, flipping basically? out! The
1: doc can make an ionic membrane out of absolutely everything, can't she? Why doesn't she do it for the drag nest? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have another question for you Go for it. about the fake wall. Quote from the episode, These are usually built in cities, so no one has to travel. What? <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about teleports. We're not talking about bullet trains. We're not talking about something that takes you from A to B. We're also not talking about the future equivalent of Zoom or Microsoft Teams. What we're referring to here is a fake wall. Why Why are they built in cities so no one has to travel?
1: it's vr without a headset you can imagine that you're at the beach nothing in your sensory environment is oh i see yeah is saying you're in the city you can convince yourself that you are at the ultimate resort
0: i take it all back that makes perfect sense
1: and that was an idea that i actually quite liked it it brought to mind that was it star wars attack of the clones where the whole planet is just a city and they drain the oceans perfect for that place I've completely forgotten that. Don't remind me. No, it's not worth remembering. But in a planet-scale city, this would come in super handy. Sure. Yeah, scenery that is no otherwise available.
0: Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Uh, Also, Star Trek uh, Insurrection.
1: (laughs) Oh! No, don't remind me. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to sell you the thing I perhaps thought was the greatest contrivance of this entire episode, Mm-hmm. Cerillium 3. What's that? It's some sort of necessary element used in teleportation device. But, oh, oh it's not for this kind of teleporter. For that, we would need Cerillium 4. Enter the Hopper virus. Yep. The Hopper virus is somehow an essential component to make something work, which conceptually... Is annoying enough to me but that this virus and this chemical this fictional virus and this fictional chemical are the two things the two jigsaw puzzle pieces this two-piece jigsaw puzzle how insulting to our intelligence can you make this this
0: explains to me why we have ryan so abruptly infected by the hopper virus in the beginning yeah. Because at the end, someone's rewriting this script. Put a pin on that because I've got a bit of trivia for you. But someone's rewriting the script going, oh, we need some kind of element that and we don't know how to introduce it This just we need some sort of macguffin but we don't <laughs> we don't want to go back and rewrite the entire script to have them chase this macguffin we just need something right now that we don't have to hand oh fuck it make it a hopper virus but we haven't introduced the hopper virus it's fine spend quite literally seven to eight seconds seven to nine seconds in the very beginning of the episode just have someone infected by it just establish the hopper virus all right done and that's how we get Ryan walking into a room for the first time. Where is Ryan? Here is Ryan. where, where is he walking into? Into this room. What happens there? He gets infected by a hopper virus. Done. Yeah. That's why that happens without abs, without any kind of gradual preamble. Exactly.
1: Literally, no preamble. No he's, preamble. He is ambling over to the vending machine instantly. This vending machine is by the door. It is right by
0: the door. Now, he comes trotting over because he's like, ho, oh, free stuff. Fuck you, free stuff. No one walks up <laughs> to a vending machine and thinks it's free. It's a vending machine, not a dispensary. It's fucking vending. It's for sale. Yeah. Also,
1: this guy is infected and having a fit, and no one else in the scene apart from the doctor is reacting. Okay,
0: so a bit of trivia.
1: Let's hear it. <laughs>
0: Taking this verbatim from TARDIS Wikia. An early version of this story was titled Safari. Oh, yes. Have you read this? Yes. Oh, okay. But Podcastland hasn't. Podcastland hasn't. An early version of this story was titled Safari and was planned for Series 11. It would have been set on an ex-military compound turned into a safari park on the planet Krill, made for tourists to witness the local block slash... Dem- Demai species, whatever, and Benny were named Edith and Albert. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's crazy. Maybe we said Alfred, I can't remember now. And an alien hunter named The Dentist would (laughs) have led the doctor's group to rescue Albert from the creature he wanted to capture.
1: Oh, way too toothy, Series 11 in general.
0: Yeah, very, very toothy. (laughs) Which may have been one of the reasons they went, yeah, yeah, we can't do that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah." Yeah, yeah, we need to put this Mummy Issues episode right after... The double episode where lenny henry ha- <laughs> is entirely motivated by his mummy issues exactly yeah yeah, yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. much better fit at
0: most will stretch to having a monster that is if 40 to 45 percent guns <laughs> 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 that is a that's a relatively different
1: episode though that's a jurassic park merged with yeah, this that's what it makes me think of too yeah, yeah. Jurassic park That piece of trivia answered a question I had. When I was scrabbling around trying to justify why this episode was as bad as it was, I thought maybe, and you'll recognize what's coming if you haven't already predicted it. Here we go. Maybe it was meant to be a two-parter and they squeezed it down into one. But no, that wasn't what happened. I thought maybe when Spyfall expanded from one to two episodes, this one accommodated it by shrinking from two to one. But no, this was the best 46 minutes they had after... Years of rewrites. Yeah. <laughs> another thing, another. You asked me, how does the episode just contradict itself within seconds to satisfy its own in purposes? Uh huh. You've had the people in the Notlin Cupboard Armory watching on the monitor as the 23 spa guests are mown down, and then Ryan and Bella survive in the steam room. But oh, yeah. they don't appear on the monitor why? And there's only one possible reason, and that's because Graham needs to worry for a moment. So he can run down the corridor and there's a moment of drama, he's like, oh Ryan, I'm so glad I found you because the monitor inexplicably didn't work a minute ago, and even though you're clearly alive, your life sign didn't show up on it for no reason at all. Oh yeah.
0: Interestingly, I didn't react to this whilst watching the episode. I, I just felt that maybe everyone's caught up in the stress of the moment. Maybe I'm giving it too much of Uh, undeserved benefits of the doubt.
1: Okay, so they're looking at this schematic, whatever, and it's got green circles for alive people and red ones for dead. So they can't look and see two green circles and say, that's definitely not Ryan. I need to worry. I need to... Fear the worst,
0: and there must be some way of distinguishing one circle from another circle. There, there's something there that certainly allows them to identify individual visitors.
1: There should be, and if there isn't, well, see above. Yeah, exactly.
0: <sighs> I, I, mean, I, I see the point you're you're trying to make here. I, I, I agree with you mostly, but I also think in that situation possibly. Fearing the worst is just the natural human thing to do, where you don't want to scramble for detail. You just see so much carnage happening around you. You don't have the direct input of your mobile phone rings and it's Ryan going, I'm okay, Graham. I'm okay, Grandad." Yeah. So you assume that any one of those red circles must be Ryan.
1: Maybe, but also these are veterans of travelling with the Doctor at this point, and also the yeah. Doctor is there in the room to be the voice of reason.
0: That's true. Can I put out something else? Go for it. We never have Graham accepting responsibility for this entire debacle.
1: <laughs> no, he blames it on the Doctor. When the alarms start going off, he's like, oh, Doc, if this is because of you...
0: Why, at the end, when they get back to the TARDIS don't we see Ryan, Yaz, and Doc pushing Graham to the ground and taking it in turns to just, like, kick him in the stomach. Yeah. (laughs) Like, just, Graham, you son of a bitch! (laughs) We could have had a a relaxing post-tentacle time! Yeah, and... This could have ended with a parallel... I'm sorry to cut you off, but it could have ended with a scene that perfectly parallels them carrying the tentacle out where they carry out Graham. (laughs) Graham. (laughs) just like shunt him out the TARDIS because son
1: of a bitch you ruined our day (laughs) they pick him up and they throw him at the tentacle and they throw a mop after him and like you finish it by yourself (laughs) (laughs) and they they head off for a coffee upstairs downstairs i can't remember exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay there's another bit about graham oh stupid sure yeah yeah which is entirely at the service of the episode's whim the doctor is clearly over the intercom saying, everybody yep. report to the linen cupboard. Yep. And Graham doesn't say, oh, that's the doc. We should listen to her. She's my, oh, Leon is pointing at his computer. It must be in his notes. It's in my notes. <laughs> She's on the tannoy. Yeah. She's literally saying this is not a drill. Yeah. And it's just another reason for Nevi to look stupid. Another poorly motivated, unmotivated device. Agreed Oh man You mentioned a while ago now Kane's slightly capitalistic motivation
0: Yes
1: My question for you is What's wrong with terraforming orphan planets?
0: Yeah, nothing's wrong with No, uh, nothing
1: No Do they? No It's not explained whether she knew the dregs were there already It doesn't seem like they would be because they would have known because she's just inviting this exact problem.
0: Yeah, well done for preempting my question. Actually, that uh, yeah, I think it's just I, I think the answer to that question is that Cain is not the outermost layer of this capitalist onion.
1: All right, so you got to go looking for the baddie somewhere in the bowels of capitalism and monetary flows and speculative investment. Well, Cain is
0: Cain doesn't strike me as a some sort of tycoon. Kane? No, no, not Kane at all. Kane is someone who is working super duper hard and who's sort of sunk all of her savings into this one particular orphan yeah, planet. Kane
1: is a small business owner. She's on the make. Yeah,
0: exactly. Along with seven billion other ones whom she doesn't <laughs> know about. I'm just saying. Joke's on them.
1: And Kane. <laughs> but, Hang on. Yeah. Are we the tycoons? In this scenario, <laughs> we're, we're the ones who've <laughs> hidden the existence of the other seven billion. From each other.
0: I mean, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. oh, I, I, okay. I, 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 it, podcast- that's why you're not being too harsh on them. Podcast land, don't read too much into this. <laughs> so, so,
1: but if you want to go on a nice holiday,
0: <laughs> have
1: we got enough of you?
0: There's effectively nothing wrong with with terraforming an orphan planet. She's a hard-working entrepreneur. I
1: think it's just encouraging a simplistic reading of capitalist entrepreneur equals bad even though ultimately what she's doing would be good for the planet were it not for the dregs being the other way around by the way the doctor is usually so hot on if something lives where it does if it's in its ecosystem its habitat then it needs to be left alone what kane was proposing was putting the dregs at some risk perhaps the doctor, at no point, is on the Dregs' side. Oh, what Kane is proposing would eradicate—sure—the
0: Dregs because they wouldn't—they would asphyxiate.
1: So why is the doctor, unlike in every other parallel situation and episode, on the Dregs' side? Because they are our descendants. Yeah. They are actually not the guilty parties, but they're being asked to stand for the guilty parties and treated as such. And the punishment that is due to people who let the earth get into this situation is being meted out to them by the doctor's mm. failure to act.
0: Yes, and that's true. It's a bit yeah.
1: troubling, really. Yeah. It's not very Doctory. Again, this is all building up to, I have a real problem with your new friend. And I don't think it's because I'm jealous steed styling steven of new to who fame this <laughs> you who are you talking about okay Stephen yeah. of new to who fame he said Hi, that the suranga <laughs> conundrum yeah. was a worse episode to introduce someone to the jodie whittaker era too mm. yeah than this episode but that episode was vapid silly fun without any message that was steven's main point it didn't have anything to say sure
0: I this that, one has a lot to say, but does it in perhaps not the best way.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a place for something without a message in Doctor Who, maybe once a series, just a pure silly episode. Just the, some The lodger, sure. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this episode takes classic Doctor Who situations, typical Doctor Who tropes, our beloved Doctor Who characters, and it undercuts every single one of them. The companions, the Doctor, fun with tunnels, base under siege, <laughs> terraforming none of it makes any sense it covers as i said greedily so much doctor who terrain and trashes it all it leaves it like an orphan planet you don't want to go back there if you see this and you're like who are these awful people and why is anyone doing anything their motivations are all suspects none of it makes any sense yeah i r- i really honestly think it would be better if this episode didn't exist oh i Oh, please, come on. Seriously,
0: I a bajillion percent agree with you. I, I we, You know
1: that, Isn't that we're not un- quite an extreme position to take, though? No,
0: there are plenty of episodes, I'm sure, in New Who and Classic alike whose utter absence from the canon would benefit the show as a whole. Absolutely, this is one of them. Okay. Undoubtedly. Getting back to the capitalist side of things, that's, that's where this argument started. Yeah. Imagine for a second that Kane were like the four Donald Trump from Arachnids in... What's it called? Spiders in Sheffield. Arachnids in the UK. Yeah, Mr. Big. Imagine Mr. Big ran this spa.
1: Mr. Big bad, sorry.
0: (laughs) Mr. Big bad (laughs) were just looking into terraforming this planet to make some money off it. Mm. Kane is looking to do the exact same thing, but she is not yet successful enough or wealthy enough to be able to just execute it, she is working towards that point and doesn't give a shit about the local flora and fauna. Mr. Big would be indicted for, as you pointed out, very rightly so, he would have been indicted for killing the local fauna, the dregs. Yeah. She instead is indicted for inadvertently causing the deaths of of ancillary characters, of innocents, of civilians. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Oh, fuck it. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Capitalism, bad. Yeah, the thing is,
1: that's not what the characters who survive are calling her out on in the truck. They're all, as you say, it's just capitalism equals bad. It's a very simplistic equation. And that's where Doctor Who tends to lean. And I don't necessarily disagree. But like the environmental thing, the message is so muddy and confused and screwed up. That is yeah. just not going to convince anyone.
0: No, certainly not.
1: Would you like to pong my ping?
0: I'm going to end on something positive. Oh, yay! <laughs> <laughs> it's a very superficial thing. Oh. I love the fact that the nasal oxygen thingies that everyone wears yeah. isn't nasal. I like that the fact that they are on the bridge of the nose rather than in the nose. Hmm. It's a ridiculous, illogical, <laughs> nonsensical downright stupid bit of production value and
1: yeah I like it okay weird but <laughs> fine <laughs> I, w- I will end with a positive then I don't need a second person for a conversation a lot of the time they just get in the way nice nice doctor line that was a shit sandwich wasn't it mmm <laughs> tasty <laughs> how about we try to rate this thing oh let's and now it is time to rate this did we laugh or hate this bing bang, bing bang, hey la 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 ratings In my opinion, this episode is unique. Mm. My antipathy for my previous least favourite episode, The Return of Doctor Mysterio, was born out of a very personal mortification, embarrassing me in front of my family on Christmas Day when my need for happiness was greatest. This episode doesn't have that extremity of destabilising emotion to justify my dislike of it, and yet I cannot conclude otherwise than that it's worse. It provokes a reaction in me that no other episode of New Who does, which is to disengage completely. Not just to roll my eyes or shake my head, but not to give a damn what I'm missing. Can't be asked following the latest thing the episode is insisting I care about. And that runs counter to my very prevalent OCD need to catch every line, which often has me reading the transcript or watching with subtitles but not here. I found summoning even a reviewer's professionalism to care about it almost impossible. I clocked out of it the first time I watched it, and I did so again. And I wasn't certain that I would. But I did. I've talked about how all the Doctor Who tropes are cheap, and one final example of the inconsistency is Bella picks up the gun at the end to shoot some baddies. Nobody else is bothering, so I suppose she should and then gets hit with blowback and it's like oh look the gun failed on her oh no oh no poor bella and then kane picks up the gun she's gun works perfectly fine now yeah. if it were <laughs> if it were fingerprint coded or something like that add a line tell us so but then kane is back also how did kane survive yeah and it's happening all over again and why is this
0: judge gun?
1: gone yeah <laughs> <laughs> And how did the episode have the temerity to do it twice with the same person, the same character? And Bell is just like, yeah, you know what? I've completely flipped. I'm now willing to die by my mother's side because, because that might give you a feel. Leon. <laughs> That's my name. Long-time listeners of the podcast will remember that your inability slash unwillingness to review the Big Finish audio adventure Wirren Dawn was so extended it became a long-running joke. I seem to recall you described it as one long action scene with nothing of substance to recommend it. That argument a bajillion percent applies here. Well, yes, because the last 20 minutes were like that description for me. It was like being caught in the stampede at a Black Friday sale. (laughs) the sheer chaos unfolding in every direction and the awfulness of being caught in the middle of it and none of it meaning anything i expect at some point that adhd plus plus gen zz squirrel will become the come the norm and then this will be held up as some kind of brilliant pioneering harbinger of television but call me a slow brain i just couldn't handle it it takes its audience for fools. It works on the principle that if it can contradict itself too quickly for a viewer to process, that's somehow okay. And it does this repeatedly, over and over again. It doesn't also doesn't seem to understand the fundamentals of staging an adventure. You mentioned how it's always doing two things at once because setup, exposition, action—they're all simultaneous. Yeah, which completely removes the impact of each of those three elements because your brain is expecting to be chewing on something when it's being force-fed it like foie gras. I felt like a goose being fattened up for Christmas while trying to buy a massive widescreen TV in Sam's Club. I'm not going to give this a 0.0, though.
0: I, I The reason I've been grimacing at you is because when you said this is worse than the episode you thought was the worst one yet, I looked it up and you gave it a 0.1.
1: Yeah, well... The first five to ten minutes (laughs) could happily have heralded a 4.0 level romp had the rest of the episode had a little more time to breathe. But it proceeds linearly downhill from there until the last five to ten minutes. Assume you'll be thrilled by the mechanic reuniting with his son who he pissed off one scene earlier. The terraformer reuniting with the terrorist the team not using their time and space machine to rescue the people we were supposed to be rooting for and caring about one clause ago, and then one final roar from a mook in a suit seals the deal. Unlike the Hopper virus, nobody involved in this could write or script edit their way out of a packet of crisps. (laughs) There can be only one score. If you take my Midnight 4.6 and divide it by about 836, you get 0.055. Oh, what? <laughs> but Podcast Land, I do love Doctor Who. Doctor Who, this is just a blip, baby. You're still the one for me. <laughs> but what a blip.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. 0.
1: 0.55. 0. 0.055. Oh, sorry. 0.
0: 0.055. Wow. Oh. Right.
1: Okay. And I would have said more negative, but like I said, I checked out. If, okay. Okay. Care to follow that?
0: I don't know how I can. (laughs) Wow. Oh, I mean, now I'm looking at my rating and I'm thinking, how on earth have I given it this much? Okay, that is an excellent mini. Holy smokes, dude. In order to try to legitimize the exorbitant rating (laughs) I have given this by comparison, I'm going to start with a positive. Yeah, yeah. In the shape of the absence of a negative. (laughs) I have no real complaints about the Doctor. Jodie Whittaker does the very best she can do with the wet bag of dog shit she's been asked to recite. Mm. And you know what? The positives don't end there. I also (laughs) like a lot of the production value. The squirrel lady looks very classic hooey. The green hair looks very classic hooey. Plus, I think we've established what I think about tails, by the way.
1: I even liked the shot, the giant exterior of the dome when the truck is driving away from it. Very
0: nice. Shot on location in Spain somewhere. This
1: whole thing, shot, or most of it, shot
0: in Spain. Okay. Yeah. BBC is paid for by tax. Money right? Like that's a pretty decent holiday <laughs> paid on, on. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. The Dregs, although as I said, I'd like them to be a little bit more expressive, perhaps, I think they look great. The companions as well, all two of them do a standout job of acting <laughs> like people in a script that is barely serviceable as a dishcloth. And that's not all. I'm not even kidding. I'm barely scratching the surface of the positive column. Or am I? Is that actually the eczema of bad writing? I'm lacerating with my nails. Is the ointment of production value not doing the trick? Oh, yep. I told a lie. That was it for positives. Let's crack on with some poofs. This story is so unbelievably dumb, it makes me want to renounce television. (laughs) before i even address the inane conceit of the dregs being our descendant does this episode now posit that fixed points in time are now also pardon the expression a thing of the past <laughs> that's utterly redonk and i can hardly contain the tragedy welling up in the scrotum of my soul at the realization that if Chibnall were ever to try to figure out where he went wrong and he were to google quote dr who Orphan 55 fixed point in time, he may not have the patience to sift through the inevitable barrage of sites entitled something along the lines of Let's point out for the nth time how Doctor Who had to be fixed after nonsense like Orphan 55 befell it. Okay, that's the meat of the story, so let's sift through the dregs as it were. (laughs) Are we to believe... That we pollute the planet, turn into Mad Max people, most of us leave, those who remain turn into fanged boogins, and those boogins then evolve back into regular people, one of whom eventually has so much plastic surgery that she's stretched out like a projector screen. Where exactly does this version of Earth fit in? Oh, I am all for making a statement on the terrible dangers of climate change, but please don't ham-fist it into a show at the expense of its the show's integrity. That will not lend you any sympathy or convert anyone to your doctrine, justified or not. And I happen to be in agreement with it. In conclusion, greatest asset, 45-minute runtime, biggest flaws, (laughs) pacing and writing, a main takeaway, rating 0.6. Okay. Yeah. yeah, That's not
1: exorbitant. That's probably fairer. But I gave it what (sighs) I did because unlike you, who would happily jettison from Doctor Who's history any number of shows that didn't necessarily need to exist I find it really difficult to say this would be better if nobody had even bothered to set the cameras rolling I think that were such an episode to truly exist and there to be nothing redeemable about it that would be a 0.0 for me like like cut it out let's pretend it never happened that's what a 0.0 means to me
0: yeah so th- yeah yeah, yeah. And,
1: I see that and so that's why I am where I am <laughs> I get it, man. <laughs> I, I get that other people, you, Kieran Evans, are like, this shouldn't exist, but it's Doctor Who, so I'm going to give it some score. But that's not how I do it. Yeah. So Which... bear that in mind, Podcast Land, as you rage against me. <laughs> Dude, imagine I'm wearing a hat. I'm doffing it. Oh, thanks for <laughs> much. <laughs>
0: Speaking of Podcast Land, yes. how about we have a listen to how much higher a rating they've all given this. <laughs> <laughs> let's. Listener no Minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max fifty, or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron Podcast Land, and welcome to the listener mini section of this podcast episodes. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes, peeps! We've got not one, or two, not three, Not four, or five, or six, not seven. J.K. We have got seven listener minis for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Someone just swerved in traffic. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, FYI, we've already recorded two hours, but because Orphan55, as we have just agreed off mic, (laughs) is a bit of an event, (laughs) (laughs) we are going to, despite having just recorded two hours, and despite it being quite literally tomorrow, it's a minute past midnight, Drew Meister. Whoops, okay. We're still going to keep them to 250 words, but we are going to read all seven. So here we go. Number one with a bullet, first out of the gate, we've got Andy Parkinson. Hello, Andy. Hi, Andy. (laughs) What up, Andy? (laughs) Andy says, hi, chaps. The fam are going on holiday. What could possibly go wrong? It's Doctor Who, so literally everything. Haven't they watched the show before? And he gives us a list of likes and a list of boos. The likes. Ryan and the Hopper virus and its aftermath. Also, his lame flirting with Bella. End of list.
1: (laughs) 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 And now Andy's list of beefs. Did they run out of money for the costumes? Hyphen looks like she's just come from a panto. Not a patch on the cat people from Seventh Doctor Doctor story survival. (laughs) Also, putting a green Halloween wig on people doesn't make actors look alien. Next, beef. Benny's proposal before asking someone to kill him. Really? (laughs) Also, Vilma's constant calling his name really greats after the first time. And how? Next, beef, Bella. She's pissed at her mum, so she becomes a terrorist. We didn't even touch on this. We didn't. What on
0: earth? There are so many steps in between. (laughs) (laughs) Like,
1: Like every child who's part of a single parent household now has the right to go out and blow shit up.
0: She just skipped the step where she didn't clean her room. (laughs) <laughs> okay,
1: yeah. Also, Andy continues apparently Kane left her to build this place, but she's a security guard too? I mean, I bet Elon Musk isn't patrolling the Tesla factory when he's not in the boardroom.
0: <laughs> That's a good point.
1: And final beef Orphan 55 is actually the Earth. We've just reviewed the mysterious planets in Classic, which Ooh. is a way better story.
0: Totally agree with you, Andy. <laughs> And Andy concludes, so all in all, it's basically a story that suffers from too many plot lines and ultimately fails to satisfactorily deal with any of them. Then there's the environmental message, as with many Chibnall-era stories, the way the message is delivered, to paraphrase hitchhikers, is like having your brain smashed out with a slice of lemon wrapped around a large gold brick. There is just no subtlety. Is it awful? No, but it's just not good. I award this two point three emergency evacuations out of five. Says Andy. Andy, oh, magnificently sized heart. Absolutely, of the gold standard, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> People who are not Andy. Can you follow Andy on Twitter? Well, methinks yes. Drew, where can Andy be found? He can be found at Caffrey's seventy-one. That's seventy-one. The number. Oh, Thank you, freeze.
1: <laughs> Here's next. Why, next up it's Daniel. Daniel, Daniel McGinley. McGinley. Daniel McGinley. Daniel <laughs> McGinley.
0: I will never tire of that.
1: <laughs> it's so unlikely that we get it right every single time. We've never had to do a retake on. Never, Daniel. not once. No. <laughs> Hello, Daniel. What's up, Daniel? <laughs> Daniel McGinn's. For the love of God, in all caps, stop saying Benny! (laughs) Is the reputation as worst episode of New Who deserved? If giving a one-word review, it would be stupid. A list of bullet points follows. Excited for a holiday. They're in the greatest travel machine in the universe. (laughs) Fair point. (laughs) Great point. Yep. Next point, the costumes. Dog lady. Green hair. All right. (laughs) Gormless thumb sucking. Yep. Deus Ex Hopper virus. Uh, correct. <laughs> Bella thinks Ryan is pretending to be stupid. Shade thrown. He's definitely regressing. We both have dead parents. Clunk. Yep. Final bullet point. More unnecessary sacrifices, though Vilna's was a blessing. Her acting was atrocious and grating. Says a lot when the kid, green Billy Eilish, gives a better performance. <laughs>
0: Daniel continues, Graham, once again, a shining light. Speedos, sunbathing in a cardi, cockle, and are you having a laugh, mate? I'm a bus driver. All highlights. He had the right idea. Go sit elsewhere for three hours. Did Jodie jump the shark by saying she doesn't need two for a conversation, then giving an expositional monologue? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. After a few episodes break, Chibbers is back to tell us how to behave with the mother of all moralizing lectures, the final minute almost ass camera is the most haranguing we've had, deserves more than a single count, but it's only one of three era total 22 nice one daniel this is a great public service so you're rendering good. daniel oh wow someone should give you an obe thankfully i won't be doing a Benny. Benny count again 33 in 30 minutes was enough for one lifetime is that
1: how many there were
0: wow if i can find the time i'll do a collage post-credit sequence
1: the super cuts of <laughs> bennies oh. <laughs> And after saying a little more, which you can catch on whobackwhen.com, Daniel concludes a product of its era, a 1.8 out of 5. Excellent
0: rating. People who are not Daniel should go to whobackwhen.com and read whatever exceeded 250 words. And also should go to Twitter and say hi to Daniel. High five him online and tell him hi from us. He can be found at what, Drew? Daniel
1: J. McGinley. (laughs) And that ends the streak. (laughs) We were going so well. We've never done the the Twitter shout out.
0: No, that's true. (laughs) Thank you so much, Daniel.
1: Just for... Who's next? That's right. Hello, just for who? Just for who says... It can only go up from Spyfall, right? Well... In 2020, when I first watched this choppy 46-minute futuristic doco series on why people suck... I was upset that they failed to carry out the high that was left from Spyfall. But was Orphan55 really that awful? Mm -hmm. Great bits!
0: Starts Just For Who and continues with a bullet point. Yaz acknowledging the Doctor's mood shift... The dregs and the visuals. The fam splitting up and getting much needed character development. The doctor being snappy and angrier. Uh Realizing Orphan 55 is Earth, especially the reveal. Uh And Ryan getting the hopper virus and the doctor getting it out of him. Super doctory scene. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Nice.
1: Some tolerable bits. Benny? Where's my Benny? Times an innumerable number. <laughs> and then Cain and Bella versus Nevi and Silas. Parent-child relationship parallel. Can Ed Heim only write about questionable parenting skills? Oh, interesting. That's a great callback yeah. to It Takes You Away. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, interesting. Nice. nice. Bits that made me go, hey, Ed Heim, maybe rework this. (laughs) The end speech, I didn't mind the little speech at the end. Yeah, okay, it was very on the nose and a bit OTT, but my main problem with it was that it definitely oversimplified how complicated it is to try to resolve global warming. People can save planets or wreck them. That's great for a message, but it's a bit more complicated than that.
1: I would like to chime in just with one Mm. little thing, which was that I have seen from certain quarters people cite the line, humanity's just arguing about who's doing the washing up while the house burns down as one of the highlights of that speech, Mm. and all it says to me is that people are arguing over gender roles and what men do and what women do and who's doing the the kitchen stuff and that's not important because climate change is what it's all important. I think there should have been a better line there than the line that people say is the best line. <laughs> Does that stand up or am I being nitpicking at this? point? No, I think I I think you're onto something. I, if only I had had this potential
0: realization earlier on in the Chippers era, I would have looked out for this. But I wonder if throughout the Chippers era every episode looks out for one simple ideological message and just discards everything else. Yep. Yeah. Nuance is missing. I think that might be the takeaway from that.
1: Definitely. And how does Just For Who conclude?
0: Well, Just For Who gives this a rating of 2.9 out of 5. Wow, I thought Andy's heart was magnificent. But you know what? I thought our hearts were reasonably sized, True. <laughs> <laughs> you win some, you lose some. <laughs> uh,
1: turns out I'm the Grinch in this round. Turns out we both are, actually,
0: <laughs> so don't worry about it. Just for who, adds in conclusion as well, as a little PS, can't wait to hear your thoughts on the power of the Doctor. Well, just you wait, just for who. Hey! Hey. Actually, you'll have heard them already. Yeah, that's right, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Time travel.
1: Who's next? I say G. You say B. Oh, I genuinely... I didn't even fake that one. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's GP Haynes. Oh, bloody hell. It's after midnight.
0: Hello, GP. Hi, GP. (laughs) Yeah, that's right.
1: (laughs) GP begins. It's not too bad. Production sets and costumes are fantastic. Yep, even hyphen. Agreed. (laughs) I love the fact that Graham wants a holiday and using coupons. Ryan chases a girl. Good on him. Not sure a thumb is what I'd want to be sucking on, but hey, whatever licks your thumb? And Yaz, what'd she do again? I've forgotten already. Why the hate for this? Is it because of the end message? No, the previous it's not. Two hours, no, think? it's
0: not. <laughs> <laughs> GP continues, I too thought it was slightly on the nose when I first watched it. Now I say good on you, Doctor Who.
1: Oh, Doctor Who is brave. Oh, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. sure, why
1: not? I mean, it nails its colours to the mast. Sure. shitting on everything else, like you just said. <laughs> GP continues, not enough is being done in the world to combat climate change, among other things. I mean, I can't deny that.
0: Completely agree. Politicians aren't really saying something has to be done. Scientists are now too scared to say something has to be done.
1: It's being left to teenagers who are hated and vilified. All of this is completely true, GP. Why uh, not Doctor Who, continues GP? Is it really so bad that our favourite show wants change for the better?
0: I and a good chunk of our listeners won't be around when things get really bad, but our children, our grandchildren... Our younger friends, our younger heroes, they all might be. We've known about this for decades and still humans drag their
1: feet. Okay, GP's off his soapbox now. So conclude, really digs the hitchhiker's vibe with such messages as consider urgently refilling this canister and welcome to the Tranquility Steam Room, please leave immediately. Nice, yeah, nice. Douglas Adams would be so proud and GP gives this a rating of 3.6 free vacations. Holy moly wow <laughs> oh d-
0: dude our hearts are so small by comparison <laughs> gp fantastic thank you so much I- yes everything that you've just raised is incredibly valid and
1: yeah we totally agree with you yeah. and it's part of the reason why i give this such a low rating exactly. because i don't think this episode is the vehicle for the message it's trying to convey
0: People who are not GP can find GP on Instagram and on YouTube. Just look for what, Drew? Finding G-spots. With no spaces or hyphens for your convenience.
1: Thank you, GP. (laughs) Who's next? Why, next up it's, hey, Maxwell Renner. (laughs) (laughs) Maxwell begins, it's here. (laughs) Did you like that? I did continuity better than Doctor Who. (laughs) Orphan 55, the most hated Doctor Who episode alongside the Timeless Child, and I'm gonna watch it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Such a masochist, Maxwell, well done. Maxwell continues, Transport Q was a very cool idea. Oh, and here's Benny. Oh my, why and how was this character created? I do love the Doctor knowing about the Hopper virus, it's very good. Ryan being socially awkward will always be a fun experiment from the writers. The doctor asking all the questions was decent writing and gave us all false hope for the rest of the episode. The monster's design is very cool, but the green-haired dudes, oh, which is what I'm calling them officially, are just another letdown for this episode. Damn, this list of shit characters is getting longer than Velma's freaking hat and Goddamn belly Ah <laughs> all caps) <laughs>
1: Ryan's team, on the other hand, was a highlight to this episode, so yay! Not even halfway through, and there's so much more to say. Fucking Benny! Benny! I swear, if I hear that name one more time, I might just turn off the episode. No, Benny, I will not marry you, but I will shoot you gladly just so I can stop hearing your name! Wait, I recognise that tunnel that they're in. Is that the Zygons lair or the train tunnel from Flatline? The orphan planet is Earth. Wow, I'm so surprised. I said sarcastically as I watched the episode. And skip to Maxwell's rating. It's a 1.7 out of 5. There is more to be read on whobackwhen.com.
0: Absolutely. Please, Podcast Land, if you happen to not be Maxwell Rayner, please do go and read this mini in its full 250-plus word splendor. And do say hi to Maxwell online as well. He can be found at... The true misty. If you get to the true foggy, you've gone too far. <laughs> Thank you very much, Maxwell.
1: Who's next? Why next up it's Kieran Evans. For all, all your Evan needs. needs. <laughs>
0: Hello, Kieran. What's up, Kieran?
1: <laughs> Kieran starts.
0: Hi folks. Okay, it's this one. Is it as bad as the reputation? A dumb corporation putting their theme park on a world full of angry flesh-eating monsters. What is this? A Jurassic Park ripoff? Kind of, actually. Ah, out. see, Safari. Yeah, the original draft. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm not sure it's quite as terrible as everyone seems to think. It's not good, but not bottom.
1: Now read. Now read Kieran's next sentence.
0: People who say it is probably haven't watched a lot. Agree to disagree. <laughs> the first ten minutes are actually fairly decent. Agree.
1: <laughs> Monster design, yeah, nah, too <laughs> overdesigned. The teeth and mouth look goofy half the time. Oh, the name is a bit of a clue, ain't it? The gang were very slow on the uptake this week. I think it means dregs.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I did actually like the doctor dealing with Ryan's Hopper virus. Felt very Python slash Douglas Adams. Mm -hmm. Nice, yeah. Vilma is annoying.
1: Very annoying. We're using too much oxygen. Yes, we know. Shut up. I find the mother-daughter pair annoying and Bella did cause the dregs to get in, didn't she? Definitely a lot of blood on her hands. Mm Mm-hmm. The Doctor's monologue to camera at the end
0: is very unnecessary, as is repeating what is discussed several scenes earlier when the Doctor talked to the alpha dreg, or could have been sprinkled in the main story more.
1: So what to give it, concludes Kieran. Well, it didn't offend me. Hey, I said that too. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So it can't be lower than a 1.3 out of 5. I didn't say that. <laughs> the intelligence rating for the people who decided it was a good idea to put a holiday resort on an orphan planet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Fair. <laughs> Excellent mini, excellent rating. Kieran, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. People who are not Kieran can follow Kieran online and must do so post-haste. Please follow Kieran in order to not have our planet orphaned for the 55th time. (laughs) Kieran and his burgeoning van business can be found at kjevans Two thank you very much Kieran and thank you very much everyone who sent in a mini for this (laughs) this absolutely legendarily criticised episode
1: including (laughs) even Michael Ridgway Ridgway Ridgway! stop the press Michael Ridgway has sent in a rating holy smoke and
0: Cheesecakes
1: made it in just under the gate well done Michael hello Michael begins with some likes the oh my god I was wrong it was earth all along (laughs) twist (laughs) And bravo for the slick scheduling. There's an identical tube station twist reveal in the mysterious planet. Nice! Weird Doctor Who parallels.
0: Whoa! Next, like, the drags look pretty awesome, though would have been better if they did more apex predator stuff instead of just standing about roaring. It's in my
1: notes, it's in my notes. (laughs) And Michael follows up with a list of. Beaves. First, Saving Private Benny! Worst plan ever, Doctor. You are the Liz
2: Truss of
0: doctors. Oh, wow. A harsher burn has never been dealt.
1: How are people still obeying your orders after the 20-minute mark? Wait, does this make Graham Chancellor? Everybody died. Everyone gets to be Chancellor (laughs) at some point. (laughs) I'm going to be Chancellor before I get another booster. Like, everybody 37 minutes in let's fix the transport why didn't you just do that in the first place <laughs> next
0: the lack of a slow burning something ain't right here creeping dread that we get in the same similarly themed luxury gone bad seventh doctor, doctor story paradise towers now only a few who back when
1: reviews away Woohoo! why is hyphens makeup half finished was it a practice for the dog bloke in flux <laughs>
0: I really liked it. (laughs) (laughs) And last, boof. In the steam room bit, why is Ryan cowering behind a wall with giant holes in it? (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) Nice. I didn't even notice. Well observed.
1: And Michael gives this a rating of 3.6 out of 5 hapless spa people munched on by post-apocalyptic tree people. Worst space centre parks holiday ever. Wait, so 3.6 3.6 out of 5? Michael, did you
0: read your own mini? <laughs>
1: <laughs> With twice as many beefs as like, Michael has a caveat. Ooh. He's watching this drunk in the bathtub, which probably explains why he enjoyed it much more second time round. Nice. That explains the
0: rating. It must do. That's exactly how this episode should be watched. Yeah.
1: It's how the
0: artistes originally intended for it mm. to be watched. Yeah. It's <laughs> how they originally wrote it, I think. <laughs> Excellent, Mini Michael. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. People who are not Michael, please follow Michael on Twitter. High-five him online and say hi from us. He can be found at bad
1: underscore movie underscore club. (laughs) Despite everything, still love you, Michael. So big. If you were carried off by the dregs i would be shouting michael as many times so <laughs> maybe i get it yeah yeah absolutely thank you michael
0: and indeed thank you everyone who sent something in for this episode wow holy smokerines and cheesecakes this has been a blast thankfully even though we are catching up steadily catching up i should say this is not the last of doctor who what is coming up next drew
1: Next, we'll have a classic review of the many times mentioned The Mysterious Planet.
0: After which, we are back in New Who territory with, oh, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. In the audio channel, it will be Doctor Who Rejected. And in the bonus who channel, well, goodness knows. Watch this space. Stay tuned. That's right. Peeps, you've been absolutely lovely. Please do continue to interact with us online. Drew, I believe you're available on social media.
1: I am at Drewbackwen on the Tweety Betterovka. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> the first <laughs> thing beginning with B that I saw. I spy a thing. <laughs> <laughs> nice very nice branding i'm I do- looking at the world's biggest bookcase, bookcase of books. crying out loud <laughs> <laughs> never mind where where can you be found online i can be found at punkin
0: yeah. peeps you've been an absolutely lovely audience thank you so much for listening until the next time be rad and excellent to one another
1: recycle <laughs> rock on <laughs> and
0: cha chao.
1: i hope you don't think less of me podcast lad doctor who we can make this work bye bye Catch your earbuds in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao Chao. Who back Benny. 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 Rookie, cool
0: Benny. 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 Cost- Bene, näh- finish-
2: Benny. Benny. Been, Benny. 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 Oh, Benny. 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 Who back